Well, friends, the debate happened yesterday. My thoughts moments away. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Uh, First off, people always are wondering, uh, after I watch a debate, who I think the winners and losers are. And I've seen a number of people today say that the obvious winner of the debate was Trump. Because, of course, he didn't show up and participate in what was a sort of an, a really an obnoxious uh, and and long um, back and forth exchange. I, I tell you, the other, other problem with this debate, the other – okay, so the winners. Let me hold off for a minute on that. Let me talk about the losers. Because this debate uh, – Trump obviously not showing up second time in a row, uh, and all of the predictions, all of the predictions that he would be hurt by this are certainly after the last debate didn't come true, and I'm confident that he is better and stronger for not having shown up last night. So to me, the losers here, if you know, I must get to it really, first off, let me start with the moderators because – um, I, I, I thought it was, I thought the, mo- I thought the moderators were awful. I don't know if you've seen coverage of this and people reporting on it, but the, I, they were, they were awful. Um, and I, 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 the questions that they asked were for the most part were, were silly. They weren't able to maintain order. And then they had this. They had this one moderator there from Univision. Univision. And I say this as somebody who, uh, and maybe you don't know this about me, I'm, you know, not, English is my second language. I, I learned Czech from my parents, um, even though I grew up in this country first, and then it wasn't until I, I went into you know, preschool and, and, and kindergarten that I really got exposed to English. So I, I say this as a non-native speaker myself, of all the people representing Hispanic Americans, which I think the Republican Party is trying to woo, they bring in this gal who, whose English is broken, difficult to understand, and is a complete lightweight asking stupid questions. It was a terrible look for Fox News, for Fox Business. Uh, Stuart Varney was, I guess, fine. Dana Perino, she's great usually. I, terrible. So I, I count them among the losers. The other obvious loser, and I say this in spite of the fact that, in spite of the fact that I don't like this person generally, Mike Pence was the worst. If there was, if there were points in time in the debate where his answers were so cringeworthy that I winced and wanted to flip the channel. The, the, he made a joke. They were asking about teachers uh, and asking about uh, teachers unions. They got into some some you know important stuff. And I think most Republicans can agree that generally speaking, teachers unions are not out there to help students, not help the kids. They're there to protect the teachers and oftentimes protect teachers who are not necessarily the best but are there because they're the most tenured, et cetera. And this doesn't always result in great education. So the 
it was a topic that all everybody was agreeing on, and and the question turns to where Pence gets in there with, the, and and he makes a joke about his wife, apparently, longtime teacher, and he said something about that he is the only person on stage who's been sleeping with the teacher for the past thirty four years or whatever it was, and I I I'll, I wanted to throw up right then and there. It was so gross. It was so terrible. He he rehearsed that line. It wasn't an off-the-cuff funny comment. It was cringe as hell. Yuck. All of it was terrible. So producer Robbie generated some of his rankings. I agree with these because he calls these Robbie's rankings. I Number seven, Pence. Yeah, terrible. Um... I just, I don't know about, let's let's go up this, Scott, Tim Scott, his, um, I guess his, his branding is nice guy, and after the last debate, people must have told them, you can't be so nice, you've got to get in there and interject, so the problem is, is that he puts in these soft-spoken, you know, interruptions, and they, it became annoying, he went from being nice to being obnoxious. And Pence did the same thing. He interrupted all the time. And, and Pence, I, I, it just, the two of them were unbearably unpleasant. And which, the surprise there, of course, being for Scott, because I think, you know, generally speaking, his, his, uh, his brand was to be the nice guy and to be, to be affable and likable. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley came off as a cold scold, all right? The answers weren't bad, but they weren't memorable. You're not going to see her in any, uh, you know, replays and, and clips today. And, and the people that are, again, she's the generic Republican, the generic anti-Trump Republican. Everyone who likes their porridge not too hot and not too cold is a Nikki Haley fan. And for the rest of us that have an opinion and, you know, and maybe, a, a, you know, a brain cell or two, it's, it's, it's not interesting at all. I particularly will tell you, she, there was a point in time where she got into healthcare. And, and healthcare is a, it's a very simple problem in this country. You can explain it in a heartbeat. Anybody who has a dog or a cat, an animal, a pet, whatever, can explain how healthcare in this country for humans is broken because you know when you have a pet you don't have health insurance involved you do sometimes if if you know for rare examples people do get that but it's always reimbursement so you have to pay for the services up front and consequently even really great pet health care is always priced at an amount that the average person can afford and there's also no built-in administrative cost for veterinarians to provide their services and make a good living between them and the patient right or them and the you know pet owner and you could explain this so simply going look our problem is that we have an immense bureaucracy between the people delivering the service and the patient needing the care and she gets she starts talking about tort reform and all this stuff and you know doctors are charging money it costs so much because they're worried about getting sued and it and I can tell you as a I can tell you as a lawyer as a tort lawyer that this is a complete nonsense but anyway it was it was just it was banal so now this gets us to the top 4 now I'm 
here's where you know people can can differ. I actually think that DeSantis had a very good night. I think DeSantis had his strongest performance in, and I uh, certainly much stronger than he had in the first debate. But I also think that DeSantis uh, just did some of the stuff that I wanted him to do. He he really he really delivered a a, a message that was that was. That, that was solid. He talked about what he'd done in Florida. He emphasized the fact that he had cut of you know the, the cost and the budget there and debt of the country of this of the state, excuse me, and that he'd and he'd he'd righted the footings economically of Florida and that you know when attacked about certain things not being ideal for he said, well look we're a big state and we've grown tremendously and people have moved in. So he was quick on his feet to talk about his record, and that is his, folks, that's his selling point. That's his resume is what makes him a standout from every other person on that stage. So it's, you know, he, he did really well. Ramaswamy uh, was was good too. I think he was a little bit less um, glib. That's a way to describe it. He was less... Um, he was just he was he he toned it down a notch. He had better composure. He had a, a, a I guess a more confident, maybe a little bit more mature vibe about him. But he also had fewer standout lines. Um, the, the surprise of the night is the guy that limped in last minute, Bergam, uh, North Dakota. Right, he he came across pretty competent. And um, not as annoying as I thought. One thing he did early on in the debate is he he interjected because he's got nothing to lose, and that's kind of will will lead me here to to Christie. I mean, he was he Christie was cutting, um, but he he did he did come off uh, across as competent. He also just still looks like he's gaining weight. I mean, his just as a growing boy. So I I he's not going anywhere. I it, it's it's the that this field, seven people on stage debating each other without the leading candidate in the room makes this thing, this is like going to the JV game. You're, you're not in the big leagues. And there's people here that need to get off the stage. Pence, certainly. Scott, definitely. A lot of people say Haley belongs in the mix. I, I don't think so. Neither does Christie, really, because... At the end of the day, it seems to me that these people are all auditioning for some kind of a role in the next Republican administration that could very well be, is more likely than not to be one run by Donald Trump. And so everybody out there that is decidedly anti-Trump, I think is, I don't know, I don't think that they're gaining any great uh, practical relevance. Now, DeSantis, even though he's a, uh, you know, top contender and 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 adversary of Trump, and he went after Trump yesterday for the kind of first time. Um, I, I don't necessarily count him in that because his policies are much more aligned with Trump. So let me take you through it here. You didn't have to, you didn't miss anything by not watching the debate, but I'll take you through some of these answers uh, that I think were important and that you need to know so you can talk about this and. Sound like you did, and you're on top of everything going on. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, 
You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Now, uh, one of the things that a number of the participants, a few of them did yesterday, was to uh, lodge some attacks on Trump, particularly DeSantis and Christie, for being MIA and not present in the room. Debate night, yesterday, 6 p.m. our time, 9 p.m. Eastern, we had the Republican GOP second debate, primary debate, seven participants in all. Uh, here's what Christie said about Trump being MIA. During the Trump administration, they added $7 trillion. $7 trillion in national debt. And now the Biden administration has put another $5 trillion on and counting. And the inflation that Nikki spoke about is absolutely right, and it's caused by government spending. And yet we don't get any answers because Joe Biden hides in his basement and won't answer as to why he's raising the debt the way he's done. And Donald Trump hides behind the walls of his golf clubs and won't show up here to answer questions like all the rest of us are up here to answer. Okay, so that's the attack on Trump. He's hiding behind the walls of his golf clubs. Uh, no, he's not hiding. He's he's out there hitting the trail. He's he's public appearances and gave a, a commanding speech uh, in Michigan. I, look, it's but this is the attack, right? That's the line. And 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 I really don't like this attack on Trump of golf because it's, you know all of these guys. Well, Christie, of course, and maybe doesn't exercise very often, but there it is. So the DeSantis, of course, was I think his was a little bit uh, stronger. Here's what he had to say. They borrowed, they printed, they spent, and now you're paying more for everything. They are the reason for that. And where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. So, you know, Biden, it's kind of they both use the same pitch. Biden's MIA, he's hiding, and so is Donald Trump. Now, why are they saying this? They are... Their strategists have all told them to link Donald Trump to Joe Biden, both old, too old, right? Or so the argument goes, both of them, uh, you know, both of them shirking their their responsibilities. You know, certainly, I mean, it's a little little bit of a stretch to compare Donald Trump's uh, energy, his his relative vigor for his age um, and certainly his his mental acuity to that of Joe Biden. I, it, these are cheap shots. The real problem is, if you'll notice, and I wanted to play these clips back to back, is you know my my take on this is that DeSantis he sings he sings when he talks. He has this 
They borrowed, they printed, they spent, and now you're paying more for everything. And he's got these lines memorized. This is not a stupid guy. So he's done, he's done his homework. He's a very hardworking guy. He's memorized this to the point where it doesn't sound authentic when he's saying it. The, the raw political talent that Trump has is that when he speaks, it's just, it sounds off the cuff because it is. And so the authenticity of it is what causes him to connect with people, always has. Now, Christie, in his answer, sounds better than DeSantis. That's because Christie has, uh, if, if nothing else, has a, has a commanding presence. But he's also a former prosecutor, federal prosecutor. I know DeSantis is a lawyer, was a, a JAG lawyer in the, uh, in the military. I, I got all that. But, but Christie's a prosecutor, and he's, he's a New Jersey guy, and he just – he knows how to he, – he's, he's, a, he's a bully, and, he's, and he projects strength. So this, this, is, this was kind of the attack on, on, on Trump. Now, there's a big discussion, and I want to get to this here because it was a huge part of the answer here, talking about the border and linking the border to fentanyl. And drugs generally. Ramaswamy gave a great answer on the southern border, and it was early in the debate. Here's what he said. We do have to seal that southern border. Building the wall is not enough. They're building cartel-financed tunnels underneath that wall. Semi-trucks can drive through them. We have to use our own military to seal the Swiss cheese of a southern border. I met family in Iowa. Two parents, Kathy and Derek, they lost their son Sebastian, 17 years old. He bought Percocet on Snapchat, and then he died. Why did he die? Because it was laced with fentanyl. That is closer to bioterrorism, not a drug overdose. That is poisoning. So it is our job to make sure that never happens. Now, a couple of points. Right when he said this during the debate, I thought, oh my gosh, he's morphing into a politician because this is – Politicians always do this. I met someone on the campaign trail. Now, if they're Biden, if they're Biden, you're just making things up as you go along. I don't think that's the case. I think Ramaswamy has a solid, you know, very, very solid memory, and he's presenting actually people that he's met. But it's just something that politicians do, and it always, to me, sort of reeks of insecurity, of, of insincerity. Excuse me. I, it's that. Uh, it's it's just. Oh, I met. Oh, I met Bob and Christina Smith in in in, in Arkansas, and 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 they told me. Okay, we got it. You you remember some people that you met, but here's here was the nuance of this answer, as opposed to Christie and DeSantis, who both say Donald Trump is MIA. Donald Trump should be here, and criticizing Trump by name. Ramaswamy is so smart that he comes in and he criticizes Trump without naming him. We do have to seal that southern border, Ramaswamy says. And then building the wall is not enough. Who is he responding to? Trump's up there saying build the wall. And he's going, no, you got to do that and then some because you know they're building these tunnels underneath it. Semi-trucks can drive through them. I don't even know if that's necessarily true. It doesn't matter. It paints a picture. It suddenly erodes the confidence that we have and build a wall as the only thing that needs to happen. Very smart. I want to point that out. 
Quick break here, folks. Bottom of the hour. We'll be back. More on this. Sam Rajovsky, you're listening to The What's Right Show. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Pleased to be with you today. Uh, the day following the GOP, second GOP primary debate, seven contestants on stage, not a Trump in sight, all vying for second, third, fourth, fifth place oblivion finishes. It's really what it felt like. I think there's some Democrat commented that it was like seeing the seven dwarves uh, all without their leader, which is mean, right? That's not nice. But it was also a little bit true in the sense that nobody really on stage was particularly dynamic and threatening at all to what is now really Trump's growing um, – the inevitability, the growing inevitability of Trump as, a, as the nominee. Uh, by the way, side note, right on the heels of this debate, Robert Costa – writing for an opinion piece for the Washington Post, uh, believes, is saying, he's claiming he's been in touch with a number of large Republican donors who are preparing to draft Glenn Youngkin into the race. Now, Glenn Youngkin's the uh, governor, a uh, very successful governor of Virginia, and he's credited uh, with you know wresting away the governorship from uh, Democratic control. Um, it certainly seems to be on the path of establishing a Republican majority in the uh, House and Senate, in the legislature, assembly, in the in the Senate, in the state. Uh, so he's, you know, he's this, uh, and he's not on a lot of people's radars. He's definitely not in the race, right? This is these are dr- donors that are trying to push Youngkin into the Republican presidential race. Uh, so I'm, I'm listen. I I'm going to tell you another. Th- Go back to yesterday's show, where, as it happens, I sometimes get ahead of these stories, even if maybe I'm not sure where the news cycle is going to go. Since when have the quote-unquote big Republican donors gotten it right? Because somehow this draft Yunkin movement, this writer in the Washington Post not talking about you know, speaking to ordinary Republican voters in early primary states saying, boy, we just wish we had of the eight choices or more. Uh, we really wish we had a ninth. We really wish that Governor Yunkin was in the race. I, re- I really wish I could, I could check a box for him. That's not the story. The story is that big money donors are you know, are circling around. There's apparently some conference taking place at the historic Cavalier Hotel in Virginia Beach. Two-day meeting to rally behind Governor Glenn Youngkin. You think you and I are invited to this uh, to this historic Cavalier Hotel to give our opinion? No. It's a closed gathering. They've called it the, the again, this is according to the Washington Post guy here, Red Vest Retreat. Uh, this is a reference to the Fleece 
vest that Youngkin wore during his uh, 21 campaign. Uh, so it's kind of his trademark look, folksy, you know. But uh, anyway, but it's going to be begin in Oct- October 17th. It's going to be focused officially on the Republican effort to win full control of the General Assembly. I told you this. This was an important push. But, you know, a lot of the donors are telling the reporter it's going to be an opportunity for them to try to push Youngkin into the GOP primary race. Um, and they're all hoping for this. And the reason they're hoping for it is because the big money donors don't want to see Trump. Trump's not their guy. They put all their money behind DeSantis and DeSantis flopped. And I, and that's, that's the scoop. So the, 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 you know, the establishment Republicans are looking for somebody and they would, I mean, they would, they would back a dead horse if that horse was, you know, competitive in the polls with uh, with Donald Trump, right? I mean, they would they would draft anything that moves. And they are not particularly, I'll say this too, they're not particularly, well, not only are they not in tune with what rank-and-file Republicans want, but they're not particularly uh, ideologically oriented, right? They're not concerned about ideology. They just want somebody in there who's going to be pro-business. I'll be honest with you, somebody, a Republican that's going to keep the border open, who's going to play ball with big business and not rock the boat too much. That's it. A little bit of deregulation, sure, but we don't want to deregulate too much because remember, deregulation helps new businesses start, helps young companies who do not have the resources to comply with every federal rule, helps those people prosper. So when you regulate, you know, big companies actually at the end of the day if you get them to be honest, they like regulation. They like they like hoops you have to jump through. Makes it more difficult for upstarts to compete with them on even terms. So th- that's something to be you know to be aware of. So that's why that's the kind of Republican they're looking to, to get. And Youngkin, I don't know him. Uh, certainly, he's proven to be an, uh, a competent campaigner, but it's it's probably too soon because he's just barely off of a big win, and. I know Alan Stock here, uh, we talk about it every time we we see each other about the likelihood of Youngkin coming into the race. And I, I just think with Trump still in, Youngkin is going to sit this one out. So, you know, that that's, that's that. Well, at any rate, back to the debate. DeSantis then, after Ramaswamy gets in on the border fentanyl issue, DeSantis uh, gets in on this too. And gives, I think, a fairly credible answer is what he says. As Commander-in-Chief, I'm going to use the U.S. military to go after the Mexican drug cartels. They are killing our people. And the stories that I've seen in Florida, we had an infant, 18 months, parents rented an Airbnb. And apparently the people that had rented it before were using drugs. The infant was crawling, the toddler was crawling on the carpet and ingested a fentanyl residue yep. and died. Are we just going to sit here and let this happen, this carnage happen in our country? I am not going to do that. So I guarantee you on day one, this border is going to be a day one issue for me as president. We're going to declare it a national emergency. Yes, we'll build the wall. We'll do remain in Mexico. But those Mexican drug cartels are going to be treated like the foreign terrorist organizations that they are. And by the way, that ending there is just a little taste of what it felt like to me, at least, was at least half of the debate. A lot of crosstalk to the point where, you know, it was it was jarring. But this was a very good answer and quite frankly, better than Ramaswamy's. Because he 
is much more conversational in this answer. And at the same time, he's has a has a presidential, more mature, uh, confident, you know, ring to it, feel to it. This is an example of, and even though this was still early on in the debate, and I think DeSantis did better in the second, later half of the debate, uh, part of the debate, I think that he, this is an, is an example of him doing really well, all right? So, um, so anyway, there, there, th- this was, th- this was, a, this was a good moment. By the, a lot of, a lot of school stuff, school choice, um, DeSantis got asked about this, um, you know, he says, oh, th- he gets asked by the Univision moderator, this this gal that I'm telling you is Ilya Calderon, who is speaking with this very obnoxiously strong accent and and almost I, I mean almost theatrically played up if you ask me. Uh, so he gets asked by her. They hit him. They did hit DeSantis on all the cleanup efforts he's done with the curriculum down in Florida. They hit him with the with the slavery. Uh, smears right so he asks she asks him what he has to say to all the people who were hurt uh, by the curriculum that teaches that slaves learned skills that were good and I just love that DeSantis took it to her and then some. So first of all, that's a hoax that was perpetrated by Kamala Harris. Uh, We are not going to be doing that. Second of all, that was written by descendants of slaves. These are great black history scholars, so we need to stop playing these games. Here's the deal. Our country's education system is in decline because it's focused on indoctrination, denying parents' rights. Florida represents the revival of American education. We're ranked number one in the nation in education by U.S. News and World Report. My wife and I, we have a 6'5 and 3 year-old. This is personal to us. We didn't just talk about universal school choice. We enacted universal school choice. We didn't just talk about parents' bill of rights. We enacted the parents' bill of rights. We eliminated critical race theory, and we now have American civics and the Constitution in our schools in a really big way. Florida is showing how it's done. We're standing with parents, and our kids are benefiting. I love him. This is exactly what he needs to be running on. This is the DeSantis that I adore. And all of this is right. You cannot, when you, when you get asked dumb questions by liberals, as a conservative, you can never, first off, you can never accept the premise of their question. That is a fool's errand because it's a setup. So he, he just doesn't, he doesn't even get into it. He just says, he dismisses it out of hand. And then he gets into, and it's, and he's not, again, this is not rehearsed and memorized. He's just talking like a guy. And I think we as Americans are, are desperate to have our leaders and potential leaders speak to us as adults and, and, and not, you know, with some memorized, rehearsed bullcrap, right? Well, then what happens is, by the way, early in it, you see right when he says it was perpetrated by Kamala Harris, Tim Scott, obnoxious Tim Scott, used to be nice guy Tim Scott, goes, just take the line out, just take it out. And you can barely hear what he's saying. And it's like, dude, shut up. Like, stop. So then immediately as DeSantis finishes his uh, great answer, Tim Scott comes in and does what no Republican should ever do. 
accept the premise of the question and basically become a Democrat talking. There is not a redeeming quality in slavery. He and Kamala should have just taken the one sentence out. It's a ho. It's there's look. Tim Scott just just stepped in it right there, and and honestly, I will tell you what this performance ended his ended his candidacy. I mean, it's over. So I got to take a quick break here, but the, you, you get a flavor here. DeSantis had a good night. I'm, I'm, I I want to make that, you know, I've, I, I know expectations were low, and that's why, for example, Fox News is calling him the winner of the debate. I'm not saying he won the debate, but I'm just saying he had a very strong night. And some of these clips are are making the rounds. And, and nobody, do we have final numbers, by the way, on the debate, Producer Robbie? I, I don't know if we do, I, but my prediction, of course, was that it was not going to be as watched as the first debate. Um, but certainly for everybody not watching the debate, they're, they're going to be seeing these clips on social media. They'll be seeing them on the news. Uh, they'll be hearing about them from people. And so really it's more of these sound bites, uh, that I think there's a handful that DeSantis put out there last night that are going to, uh, that are going to get, get seen, get heard. And I think we'll, we'll win him some support. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. I'll be back in a moment. Greetings, friends. Yes, welcome back to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Completely unrelated to anything political for a second. Let me just share this interesting story I saw in the Wall Street Journal a couple days ago. You know, the architect Frank Lloyd Wright, one of the most famous architects in the history of, of, of the modern world, um, an American, uh, built, of course, a number of, of prominent buildings, but he also was uh, built homes for some wealthy individuals. And there occasionally is a house of his that is on the market. It's always a big to-do. And so the Wall Street Journal, uh, in their luxury home section, uh, put out a, a story about this. A couple named Barbara and Robert Elsner uh, bought this Frank Lloyd Wright-designed house in Milwaukee, of all places, 1955, and it's up for sale. So the first time in 70 years, almost 70 years, um, it's up for sale. It was built in 1917, um, comes with a letter from, uh, from the architect himself. They wrote him when he was still alive when they bought the house. He said some things about the house in a letter that he responded in his response letter to them. But here, here's the part. Okay, here's the part. I just want to, this house is beautiful. And Lakin, let's put this up on, on the, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just fascinating. Um, beautiful house. Uh, if you like Frank Lloyd design stuff, this is, you're, you're going to love this. It's in Milwaukee. It's, I think, 6,000 square feet. Let me give you the details here. 6,000, and it's, it's very period inside, right? So the, the kitchen's very original and all that. Um, but beautiful house, 7,000 square foot lot, big house. Um, 1.5 million. It's just, it, it's just a reminder how, I mean, it's, California, obviously, off the charts, expensive. New York City, elsewhere. but here in Vegas, also. I mean, I mean, a house like this. I forget the pedigree, even, but just this well built and uh, 
large uh, in a prestigious neighborhood, you know, several million dollars. Uh, so just I- interesting story came across. I'm going to, we'll put the link up also to see this great interiors. For those of you who are into design and into historical architecture, please check this out at What's Right Show on Instagram and Twitter. We'll put it up. All right. So the debates. I looked at the numbers. I was, of course, correct in my predictions here because it looks like uh, last night's debate uh, came in at about 9.9 million viewers. And the debate uh, uh, last month uh, came in at 14.2, so well below that level. And remember, last month's was low by past standards because the record for any Debate viewership was set back in August 2015 because, of course, people were tuning in to see Trump, 23.9 million. That was the high watermark in terms of uh, uh, Republican primary debates. So 14.2 in um, in August and uh, September last night's debate, 9.9 million. What is interesting is about 30% of that came from streaming. So... You know, people are not, you know, they're not plugged in as much. I, that, I think, is is just where we're headed. That's not necessarily uh, that big of a shock to me necessarily. So uh, so there's that. So, again, when these – something to note is if you are one of the very few people that watched the debate from start to finish and it felt to you like it did to me that these candidates are sometimes saying things that don't necessarily – answer a question or that are a little bit awkward because somebody right before them, another uh, an, uh, another candidate had said something very similar. Remember, they are saying things for the soundbite, for the video clip. There's all, they, they know that out of however many million Americans, only a very small percentage are going to tune into the whole thing. Um, let, you know, and, and, and so they, they're building this for the later to come millions of views that these individual clips are going to get. So very important. Um, I don't know. I, I got to tell you, I, DeSantis says end the Ukraine conflict. You want to get his DeSantis's uh, Ukraine comment? Well, this is what he said. It's in our interest to end this war, and that's what I will do as president. We are not going to have a blank check. We will not have U.S. troops, and we're going to make the Europeans do what they need to do. But they've sent money to pay uh, bureaucrats' pensions and salaries and funding small businesses halfway around the world. Meanwhile, our own country is being invaded. Uh, We don't even have control of our own territory. We have got to defend the American people before we even worry about all these other things. And I watch these guys in Washington, D.C., and they don't care about the American people. They don't care about the fentanyl deaths. They don't care about the communities being overrun because of this border. They don't care about the Mexican drug cartels. So as Commander-in-Chief, I will defend this country's sovereignty. I need to, somebody needs to sit DeSantis down and say when he's making a great point, you don't end up with your tone going up and higher. Meanwhile, our own country's being invaded. It's not how you do it. You say, meanwhile, our own country is being invaded. 
we don't even have control of our own territory. You go up, but then you have to go down with your tone. He sounds, he's saying the right stuff, but his tone undercuts it. And this, you know, maybe I'm a radio guy and I'm a voice guy and I understand this, but but I, I think somebody in his, he's got millions of dollars in the piggy bank, so can he spend it on somebody to tell him how to speak? Is that too much to ask for? I guess it might be. All right, more on this and some other news. When we come back, don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue. Sam Rajovsky here. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, truth teller, lawyer, and all-around great guy. Pleased to be here. Uh, by the way, I was uh, on my way to lunch this morning uh, here in beautiful downtown Las Vegas, and I'm walking by Vesta Coffee. And I, if, you, if you're not familiar with Vesta Coffee, it is a, a, I would describe it, very good coffee shop, a little bit of a hipster place. But I'm giving them a shout-out today. And the reason is is because two soy boy goofballs were standing in front of Vesta Coffee handing out flyers. And I, well, okay, I'm thinking about this right now because during the Republican debate, the UAW strike came up, okay? And... So it's been on my mind, you know, Trump giving, you know, doing his counter-programming, uh, speaking to non-union workers out there in the, the shop, whatever. Uh, so I'm, I, I see these two guys standing outside my favorite coffee shop here in town. And I see them handing out, and I said, I said well, what is this? Because you know me, I'm, I'm going to talk to everybody. Like, well, it's some information on Vesta Coffee. I'm like, oh, I know what this is. So I take... I've got it here in front of me. I take the flyer from uh, one of the gentleman's hands. And I, <laughs> I love this. So the owner of Vesta Coffee, his name is Jared. I know Jared. And Jared recently, I think very good for him, has, has expanded, by the way, maybe a year ago or so, expanded up to Summerlin. So now there's a location uh, in Summerlin, um, and a great spot, and they, they're expanding now their third location into the Durango Casino Resort, which is a Fertitta property here in town, part of Station Casinos. And I guess Jared's quote here was, when this was being announced, said uh, that Durango Casino Resort is a family-owned company, which is true, Station Casinos is owned by the Fertitta family, who do a lot of great things here in the Valley, okay? I, I'm just going to say that. I, I like them. They're great guys. And he says, we're a family-owned company. We're very thankful. We think it's a great fit. And these union goons underline great fit and then talk about Station Casinos being the worst labor law violator in the history of the Nevada gaming industry. And they've got... <laughs> and they have... <laughs> they, talk, they have this email from uh, 
vice president, the EVP over there, chief operating office for Red Rock Resorts, uh, talking about ta- telling managers to put together their mud lists. Now, what's a mud list? They're, they want to rank employees into who's pro-management, so M, who's pro-union, U, and who's don't know, D. That's the mud list, okay? And I guess they were trying to figure out if, if somebody was pro-union, because they're desperate to keep the union away from Red Rock Resorts. That's one of the reasons they're able to operate successfully. Look at all of these resorts now that are being held hostage by the culinary crazies. Uh, just uh, just and on the eve of on the eve of uh, Formula One coming into town and of course on the horizon having the Super Bowl, the holidays, everything. A mess. So they want to know, I guess this was when was this email back in 2020, they're bringing people back from the pandemic. This is June 12th. So first off, first off, I love that the union's obsessing about a non-union shop bringing people back from the pandemic. This is, by the way, days after Sisolak finally reopened the state and these people were hemorrhaging cash, all of them, and singling them out for this, unbelievable. But the better part is, I mean, yeah, they're going to first bring back people who are pro-management. Of course they are. I don't want people working for me who hate my guts and want to organize and start a revolution. So they're now... Picketing outside a Las Vegas small business owner. How dare he accept a lease, a lease, because that's what it is, at Station Casinos at Durango Resort. So, friends, conservatives, if you go into Vesta Coffee, there's a lot of blue hair in there, nose piercings, that kind of stuff. But stop in there, get a cup of coffee, and tell uh, Jared that you support him. All right? Because this is, yeah, I don't want to say the word, but this is bull, all right? Just makes me mad. You know, this, and by the way, you know, us small business owners here in downtown, we stick together and, you know, we may have different views on life. And Jared had a little bit of a different view on masking during the pandemic than I did. Okay. But, you know, you, you, know, you attack us one, you attack us all. So, uh, Please stop by Vesta Coffee. By the way, if you're by my office here at Salmon Ash Injury Law, come in and say hi. Uh, tell us that you enjoy the show. And if you hate the program, uh, I guess you can stop by too and say hi. All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. No, I wanted to say that. So Doug Burgum, by the way, speaking of unions, he had the only decent answer on the strike um, itself. Um, and and I, I, I liked how he, he connects the dots here. And, and I'll, I'll play it here for a second. This was, I, I thought it was very good. It was very well done. Listen. The reason why people are striking in Detroit is because Joe Biden's interference with capital markets and with free markets. The subsidies, we're subsidizing the automakers and we're subsidizing the cars and a particular kind of car, not every car, we're particularly, we're subsidizing electric vehicles. And when you decide that we're gonna take all of your taxpayer monies, take a billion dollars, subsidize a certain type of vehicle, and the batteries come from China, 
China. China controls 85% of the rare earth minerals. They're called rare earth because they're measured in parts per million. China is moving 100,000 pounds of earth in Indonesia, in Africa. They're literally destroying the planet so that we can make and make a battery that's in a car subsidized here. That's why they're striking because they need two thirds less workers to build an electric car. Joe Biden, this strike is at Joe Biden's feet. He's right. This is exactly it. And it's precisely what I've been mentioning here about the strike to begin with. It's, you know, I mean, if you get out of the way and stop telling private enterprises what products they can and cannot build, those companies, I guarantee you, will be more successful. And a company that is more successful is more able to pay its workers uh, a, a desirable and, and, and living wage because, of course, there's competition for those workers. There are other factories across this country that have non-union shops and pay decently well. So people can get up and move and, and, and go to other factories. It, it, see, this, the, 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 the lack of free market competition in all of this is really what gets me. So that was, a, I, I think, a, a, a very solid response to this, and I, you know, I, 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 I liked it. I mean, it was right. So uh, I know I, I want to – listen, I want to get into the TikTok stuff, the social media stuff. You know, uh, this was uh, this was some of the better this was some of the better content for me because I I tell you I I've mentioned to you before how I uh, my son for example uh, came home the other day a few weeks ago whatever this was and said to us he again implored us to let him have a uh, Snapchat he wants Snapchat all the kids communicate on Snapchat. Well, Snapchat is the worst program to put on a phone for any minor child. It's a, it's a terrible idea. So the wife and I, of course, say no to it. TikTok, another one. So this is, um, uh, this is, you know, th this is, this was the, the talk about the social media stuff, and I want to get to that here in a moment, was really, really good. Because I think, you know, I think that this is, um, this is an important topic because Ramaswamy's pick, picking a fight here saying that maybe kids shouldn't even have Instagram and social media um, up to, uh, uh, you know, before a certain age. And I think he's not far off on that, to be perfectly blunt. Let me take a break here and pick this up right there. Parents, you don't want to miss this. And I've, I've got some you – know, I've got a major parenting tip here, a Sam pro tip when it comes to raising kids when we return. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. All right, social media parents, listen up. It's, it is a problem. And here on the What's Right Show, we do cover this from time to time because, of course, I share with you my own uh, parental trials and tribulations. Uh, by the way, right before the break, I said there was a tip that I, Sam Rajovsky, host of the What's Right Show and parent to three uh, kids here in Las Vegas um, have for you, and that is a word. It's a word. I've mentioned this once or twice before, but it bears – it's worth repeating. There's a word that you as a parent need to know. 
and I feel like a lot of parents out there don't know that this word can be used, and 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 so this is why I'm maybe being a little obvious here. But the word is no. <laughs> you, you can just say no. All right, I'm sounding a little sounding like uh, Nancy Reagan here, but uh, no, Dad, I want Instagram. No, Dad, I want. Snapchat. No. By the way, um, I do. My son does have. My son is sixteen, and he has Instagram. But Snapchat, no. And by the way, I don't think. I think young girls, in particular, Instagram, any kind of social media, is is hugely damaging. Uh, so, Ramaswamy is the only candidate really on stage that that was talking about this last night in the GOP debate. And in answer uh, related to drugs and overdoses in this country that was part of the border conversation was the first time he broached the subject. And he was talking about how kids are turning to Snapchat to buy drugs. I don't know if you know this, but there's a thriving drug marketplace on Snapchat for drugs. And I've known about this. I've had a number of people tell me this. I've never... I've never been on Snapchat because it came along when I was already an adult. So, but uh, apparently that's where the kids go to. One of the top places kids go to 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 do this kind of stuff. So, here was Ramaswamy's answer. But it's also our job to make sure that 17-year-olds don't turn to Percocet via Snapchat. There's a demand side problem in this country too. A mental health epidemic. We have to bring back mental health care in this country, not with pumping pharmaceuticals, but with faith, faith-based approaches that restore purpose and meaning in the next generation of Americans. Many of them are getting it through social media. And this isn't a Republican point or a Democrat point, but if you're 16 years old or under, you should not be using an addictive social media product, period. This is something that we can both agree on and we can revive both the mental health of this country while stopping the fentanyl epidemic that will kill more people this year than who died on 9-11, and I refuse to be a passive bystander sitting in the White House like the hollowed-out husk of a current president we have. (laughs) He really can get in a lot of words a minute. I don't know if that's necessarily a a good way of speaking. I think think people can't, most people can't even process all those words. Uh, But the substance of what he's saying is true. The idea of letting kids go on addictive social media and, and being fine with it as a country is really, is really not a good plan. Now, I, I take issue with, with one thing here, Robbie. I got to tell you this because he says, and he thinks this sounds good because he says it's, it isn't a Republican point or a Democrat point. This idea of saying that social media isn't good for kids. I, 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 have, a, I, have, a, I have a contention to make with that, which is, I mean, where would all the Democrat crazies that are out there wanting to corrupt our kids with their insanity go if they don't have access to our kids on social media? I mean, how many times have I played for you clips of weirdo pedophiles like Jeffrey Marsh? Hello, boys and girls. I want to be your parent. Putting out TikTok videos and Instagram videos talking directly to our kids if they're there getting served this content, which 
many of them are, listening to this, you know, guy with with makeup on telling him how they shouldn't listen to mom and dad, should keep secrets from mom and dad, should consider him to be their alternative parent. I mean, this is all out there to be consumed. You can, you can find this in a minute. It, it, libs of TikTok carries this day in and day out. It's there. So my, my only issue with, with and Ramos Williams trying to be, you know, very ecumenical here and bipartisan, so it's not a Republican or Democrat point. Uh, I'm going to say Democrats want social media readily available for our youths because Democrats are the party that want to destroy the nuclear family. They want... I'm saying the radical Democrats, okay, maybe not Nevada Democrats per se, not all of them at least. Um, but the radical Dems, the leftists in this country, they want their they want to bypass particularly conservative, common sense parents and get directly to the kids. So I can tell you, if if you try to push this through, you, you watch and see it would be the Democrats primarily that would be fighting this. Um, all right. All right, by the way, uh, this continued with a conversation then Ramaswamy went further uh, talking about this idea of social media uh, and he got into it here about TikTok. And that's why uh, he got asked a question. Stuart Varney from Fox Business uh, you know, asked him a question about him, him you getting on TikTok after talking to a boxer and influencer. Listen. TikTok is banned on government-issued devices because of its ties to the Chinese government. Yet you join TikTok after dinner with boxer and influencer Jake Paul. Should the commander-in-chief be so easily persuaded by an influencer? So the answer is I have a radical idea for the Republican Party. We need to win elections. And part of how we win elections is reaching the next generation of young Americans where they are. So when I get into office, I've been very clear. Kids under the age of social, under the age of 16, should not be using addictive social media. We're only going to ever get to declaring independence from China, which I favor, if we actually win. So while the Democrats are running rampant, reaching the next generation three to one, there's exactly one person in the Republican Party which talks a big game about reaching young people, and that's me. And he turns it around on Varney, who thought he had this gotcha thing. Well, you're so anti-TikTok and you're anti-social media, and then you're using TikTok to reach, you know, to, to reach young people. How dare you? And he addresses it clearly, right? He's reaching young voters, so these are people, right, you know, I assume— no 17 or 16 or 15 year olds are voting in this country, although we can't be too sure based on the outcome of some of these races. But um, nonetheless, he's reaching adults with this and he's going to people who are on these and particularly young voters. So he turns it around completely and then and, and, and makes his point. I mean, this is an example of, of of really great debating. By the way, he follows up the TikTok answer with some self-deprecation, which went something like this. Let me level with all of you. I'm the new guy here, and so I know I have to earn your trust. What do you see? You see a young man who's in a bit of a hurry, maybe a little ambitious, bit of a know-it-all, it seems, at times. I'm here to tell you, no, I don't know it all. I will listen. 
I will have the best people, the best and brightest in this country, whatever age they are, advising me. We will be probably many of the people on this stage included. That's how I built my companies. I want to be challenged. I want people who disagree with me. That's what makes America great because we're not a perfect nation. We're founded on the pursuit of perfection. That is what makes America great. Oh my gosh. Robbie, was that, was that, that was Pence, right? Starts talking over him. TikTok was founded by the Chinese Communist Party. Pence has got to be the single most unlikable person. Uh, I I mean, yeah. Uh, Just, he did this the entire debate. The entire debate. Non-stop. It was completely insufferable. All right. Oh, there were, trust me, listen, there were more insufferable moments. Trust me on this. I have, I got some good content for you. Ah, oh, what was it? Uh, Tim Scott and uh, Nikki Haley talking about curtains? Oh, bizarro stuff. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Wow, the show's just flying by. Lots to talk about as we unpack the debate last night. I mentioned that there were some moments in it that were less than stellar. I would say about half the debate or so, it felt to me, was crosstalk of people interrupting folks I wanted to hear from. You know, I I wanted to hear from, you know, I, I wanted to hear from, uh, for example, from, from Ramaswamy. I wanted to hear from uh, DeSantis speaking. I didn't need to hear Tim Scott interrupting them as they spoke or hearing from Pence interrupting them with his cadence. But there's also some direct debating going on, which sort of, I guess, some challenging. And this is an example of where Scott started, um, you know, kind of kind of got a little feisty. The, The nice guy, you know, went away and he got a little combative Uh, about, let's say, about midway through toward. The sec- in the second half, definitely. Uh, Scott brings up something that Nikki Haley did. This is about some curtains that she allegedly purchased while she was UN ambassador. Uh, here's how the debate went. And by the way, let me say this. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. I'm getting so excited about this stuff, forgetting to tell you this. So now... Here's Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, fighting about the curtains. As the UN ambassador, you literally put $50,000 on (laughs) curtains in a $15 million subsidized location. You got bad information. All you have to do is go watch Nikki Haley on YouTube. Do your homework, Tim, because Obama bought those curtains. Did you send them back? It's in the press. Did you send them back? It's the State Department. Did you send them back? Did you send them back? You're the one that works in Congress. Oh, my gosh. You get it You hung them on your... Yeah, this is right when Nikki Haley went full ex-wife uh, level on me. I just, it was, I, 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 I can't. 
I can't. I know, look, you're going to get accused of being a sexist comment, Sam. It's just, I don't, I don't have an ex-wife yet. Uh, hopefully never will. Um, but all that said, um, if um, I, how I would picture it being is her yelling at me like that. Unpleasant. Also unpresidential. So as this, you know, poop show is going on, this is what is going on in Michigan, and Trump is being himself talking to a room of adoring fans. Yesterday, Joe Biden came to Michigan to pose for photos at the picket line. But it's his policies that send Michigan auto workers to the unemployment line. He only came after I announced that I would be here. You know, he announced quite a bit later. Spoke for a few seconds. Did you notice he spoke for what? A few seconds? And he had absolutely no idea what he was saying. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know what we were saying. Where am I? He's saying, where am I? Oh, you're in Michigan. Oh, that's great. Where am I? I don't know where I am. <laughs> so funny. It's so good. Now, I'm bringing this up because, you know, it's like Trump's like the classic deal. You know, we, we, we love him. We know how he speaks. We know his warts. We know his, his, his positives. So my takeaway from the debate, if I have to contextualize it against Trump, is where, where Republicans in the debate, where they're going to stand out is not on fighting, you know, and being nasty and interrupting each other. They're going to win on substance. So when I rank the winners here, for me, really, substantively, DeSantis and Ramaswamy came up up on top of, let's say, the top four or so performing candidates. Now, a core part of DeSantis's pitch, let's start there, was that where others talk, he does. He performs. And this is undeniably a core part of what ought to be absolutely his message 100% of the time. All these guys have said Here's the fact. And I appreciate a lot of the things they're saying. Nikki I'm Haley. the only one up here who's gotten in the big fights and has delivered big victories for the people of Florida. And that's what it's all about. You can always talk, but when, when it gets hot in there, when they're shooting arrows at you, are you gonna be stand up for parents' rights, keep the state free? Are you gonna be able to do all those things? And in the state of Florida, because of our success, the Democratic Party lies in ruins. We have won the big fights. We have turned our state into a Republican state. People respond to leadership. I've done it while others have talked about, about it. Bingo. And that is true. By the way, Nikki Haley at one point earlier in the debate on subject of school choice gets pressed, well, you, you didn't, you know, you didn't get school choice done. And she was absolutely in her answer bested by by uh, not only DeSantis, but also by Chris Christie, both of whom got it done in their states. Christie in a blue state, DeSantis in a state that was until quite recently purple, but because he's cleaned up elections down there, now decidedly red. And and here is Nikki Haley in a red state. She couldn't get it done. So, um, I mean, I, I just, I love this. That's what I came to the debate on. And of course, Ramaswamy talking about transgenderism and kids um, gets asked about parental rights. And I love where he took it. 
Transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental health disorder. We have to acknowledge the truth of that for what it is. I met two young women early in this campaign. On parental rights in school. Parents have the right to know. And you know what the hypocrisy yes. of this is? The very people who say that this increases the risk of suicide are also the ones saying that parents don't have the right to know about that increased risk of suicide. Yes. And I'm sorry, it is not compassionate to affirm a kid's confusion. That is not compassion. That is cruelty. I met two young women, Chloe and Katie, early in this campaign, who are in their 20s, now regret getting double mastectomies and a hysterectomy. One of them will never have children. And the fact that we allowed that to happen in this country is barbaric. Absolutely. And this is where I tell you, he is so damn good because he's getting at the core of the issue and framing it in such a succinct and direct way that it, more of this, please. By the way, it's not just confined to social issues. It's on economic issues. They talk about inflation. And Ramaswamy says we need zero-based budgeting just like we have in business. And I would also say like we, you know, responsible people do at home with our own checkbooks. We need zero-based budgeting. That's the way businesses are actually Tax run. Cuts. Start with zero as the baseline for the budget and then see what's actually necessary. There isn't a blue state or a red state in this union that does it. The federal government doesn't do it, but successful companies, including the ones that I've built as a CEO, will do it. And I think we need a CEO in the White House to get that done. Governor Burgum runs a state. Why is... Dana Perino interrupting him. I, this again, I'm telling you, uh, the, the 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 moderators here were just lousy, and I I think it's because by the end of it they were they were getting run over, so they they just started to pitch in into the melee. It's almost like when a police or security show up in a in a in a big brawl and end up becoming part of that brawl. That's sort of how that that happened. Now Bergam, of course, here was his response. In case you're you're, you're wondering, this is what he said. When you say nobody else has done it, the energy plans that have all been announced in the last month by these other folks on stage, we're already doing it in North Dakota. The border plans are already talking about, we've got troops down at the border flying helicopter missions from North Dakota, from San Diego to the Gulf Coast, saying when nobody else has done the big fights, North Dakota was leading the charge. We won the battle to get the Biden administration who was ignoring the law. They were the first administration since Truman that wasn't holding the quarterly required lease sales. And we won that in federal Court. WOTUS, we won that in federal court. We're fighting the Biden administration on 20 fronts. To say that nobody's fighting the big fights, just look at the record of what we're doing right now. Yeah. Energy, economy, national security have been talking about it since day one, and now finally, good, we're having the conversation about it, but we've got the answer in North Dakota. If you, I guess it depends if you're counting the caribou or not, but there's, I mean, compared to Florida, there's like 200 people uh, in all of North Dakota. And this is, I have to make this point because I'm not here to disparage the great state of North Dakota, but being the head CEO, governor, okay, of North Dakota is not the same as being a CEO of a billion dollar business or being the governor of, let's say, a state like Florida that has millions and millions of people in it and has a, you know, a, 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 uh, a significant economy on on world terms, not just relative to other states in the U.S. So I, 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 I you know, Robbie here in the studio likes Burgum. He's bemused by him. I think is more what it's uh, what it's all about. But 
But it, it's, you know, when he talks about this is what I've done in North Dakota, you know, it's, 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 you know, sort of like a midget standing on his toes and saying, I just saw over the little picket fence that's uh, three feet tall. All right, Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. I'll be back after this. I had just got a, a story here sent to me uh, from Ash Watkins, partner at Sam and Ash Injury Law. A doctor in um, in California has been recharged uh, for some sexual offenses. The case I've been following because I've never met the guy, but um, I, I we we both know somebody who actually went on a date with him. He's been accused of uh, taking advantage of young women him and his girlfriend, uh, applying them with drugs. And this case has been going on and on for five years, got dismissed. Now the attorney general in California has refiled charges against them. So this this case keeps going on. But it, it's 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 scary out there, guy. I mean, I'll tell you, this. the whole thing is, you, you know, the allegations are that, uh, you know, this very powerful, wealthy doctor named Grant Robichaud and his girlfriend would meet uh, – women in bars and then give them drugs, uh, cocaine, PCP, um, and other uh, substances in an effort to take advantage of them and rape them. Uh, So, you know, this case continues to move forward. It's happening in Orange County. I'm just sharing it. She sent it to me because, yeah, because we know somebody, we have a close friend who uh, went on a date with this guy and somebody in the restaurant saw her with him with this doctor, these are allegations, right? I'm just, I'm just telling you, but I have it on good authority. Saw her on a date with this guy and some completely random gal stops her in the bathroom and goes, um, what are you doing with him? Go, run. And she got such a bad feeling that she basically like said, ah, something's come up and excused herself from the date because she met him on, I don't know what, you know, some dating app. Um, and and left the date mid meal, and 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 probably you know possibly saved herself from from having something very very awful happen. So this story is just close to me because I've been following it for quite a while. All right, welcome back to the What's Right Show, Sam Rajovsky, News Talk eight forty KXNT. Rounding out our coverage of last night's debate. Um, when I say. You know, I, I, some people here, I'm getting some emails about making fun of North Dakota. My simple point is that when Doug Burgum gets up there and talks about everything great that he did in North Dakota and how he got things done, it's just not the same as when DeSantis says it. Do you, do you get that? It, yeah, well, producer Robbie's backing me up here. So there are 780 thousand people in North Dakota. And I'm worried that they might have counted some wildlife in there. Florida, 21.78 million. So that's like 4%, right? Uh, uh, yeah, Dorotico's 4%. So you're, it's a different scale entirely, entirely. But I, I will give you this, Robbie, Burgum did well overall in the debate. He didn't sound crazy. He was measured. He made great arguments. 
uh, conservative arguments and positions, um, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't obnoxious. It's time to drop some of these candidates. By the way, there was a point where uh, Perino asks. I think Perino asks this right. She asks if it's time uh, to to step away from this because if everybody stays on stage, Trump's going to get uh, going to get reelected. Um, and it's you know it 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 was it was a good it was a good moment. Here I've got the clip. I'll play it for you. It's now obvious that if you all stay in the race, former President Donald Trump wins the nomination. None of you have indicated that you're dropping out. So, which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island? <laughs> I mean, uh, the answers were all over, but uh, voted off the island. Um, Dana, what is voted off the island? What, what is this, a game show? This is so unserious of Fox. Right? I mean, yeah, they didn't answer. Um, they refused. I mean, nobody's going to say, well, I think, you know, I think her over there or I think him over there. It was a setup, but, but it's, um, but it, I, I, it's so tacky is my point. So when... I see Dana Perino, you know, making the rounds this morning on Fox News, saying, "Well, I was really those candidates were really unruly, and they walked all over me, and whatever." I, you're you're only going to get the kind of respect that you give, and this was this was deeply a deeply unserious question, but but it does, you know. By the way, I, can I also say something else? They, you know, Fox and in essence and the and the and the GOP can figure out who they want to vote off the island, if we're going to use that terminology, based on who qualifies for these debates. And if you're not qualifying for the debates, you know, you're getting less visibility, theoretically, as the process goes. So they could they could boot people off the stage and simply raise the qualifications for being up there. They're going to have to tighten it up. Next one's in Miami um, in a month, and it'll be, you know, I, I think the expectation is that there will be fewer people. I'm going to tell you right now that, of these goobers, Pence has no business being in this thing. I'm, I'm telling, Pence is not only in substance, not only in delivery, both combined, he's atrocious. He is a terrible candidate. I have no, I, I have no words for it. Tim Scott needs to go away. Tim Scott's gone. Nikki Haley, who yesterday was making the rounds, we discussed it here on the program, making the rounds as the next great hope of the GOP, is not good. She's objectively terrible. Now, yeah, Christie, I don't like him. I don't like anything about him, but he's, he's holding his own. DeSantis, Ramaswamy, this is why they average out to be second and third place, respectively. There's a reason for it. They're both formidable competitors, and DeSantis definitely, definitely fought a good enough fight last night to live another day. I've seen some people in the media describe it as he may not, he may not gain from this, but he's definitely going to stop the bleeding. I, I, you know, maybe. Again, it's going to be about these these sound bites, and I, you know, I, th- I think. Uh, you know the, the sound bites were were good. I mean, there was a lot of the, he 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 landed a lot of really great arguments, and so I I think you know he's going to come out of this with perhaps a little bit a um, little bit more energy. Um, yeah, I 
you know, I, they're, they're, I'll give you, Pence was so bad. Pence got asked a question and he blabbed on about something totally unrelated. Then gets refocused by Dana back to the question and he acknowledges the question. Well, Dana, I'm glad you reminded me of the question in such a patronizing, terrible way. I don't have this clip here, do I? In such a terrible patronizing way and, and then proceeds to answer, to talk about something completely different. It was, I mean, it was, If I don't think he has a senility problem, any dementia or anything like that. So he's just, it's, it's tremendously arrogant and conceited and it comes off so terrible um but but this is also why listen the mainstream media would love to puff up a person um a person like uh like let's say uh pence or haley just to have them lose in the general election 100 percent. so my take on all of this here as i sum it up is look this Probably this debate did not change a whole lot. Trump's uh, a separate appearance didn't change a whole lot. He's still the front runner, and I absolutely now am convinced he's doing the right thing by staying out of it. And you know, it's a strategy that's that's absolutely paying off. So I'm 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 you know, Trump needs to just keep keep trusting his gut on this stuff, but because I think it's not uh, it's funny how Trump's gut does more for him than all the millions of dollars spent by some of these candidates on advisors uh, and handlers and uh, consultants. So there it is. All right, time's up. Wonderful couple hours with you, as always, here on The What's Right Show. Uh, don't forget, in a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234.